Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Caleb Kinsley. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app, our website for ways to give. Alrighty, alrighty. Everybody take a deep breath in. Let it out. Don't hold it. Let it out. Take another deep breath. Who can feel what God's just been doing in this place? Raise your hand. Come on. We know on Sundays like this, especially when we bring guests in, but especially if we bring David Valier in, we're just going to go. So if you've looked at your, if you looked at your watch, if you looked at the clock, just... Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> we will dismiss at 3 p.m. today. It'll be okay. So, no, I'm just kidding. We're going to try to shave this as quick as, as we can, but at the same time, we know that God's got just amazing stuff he's already been doing and wants to keep doing. So I'm going to jump in. We're going to talk about what heaven's worship looks like because there's a lot of brokenness in the church over worship, and most of it comes because we have our opinions, not because we have the truth of what God has said. So we're just going to go for it. There's a difference between judgment and joy. I've got a few of these written down. I'm just going to read them to you. Judgment has a way of leaving me in bondage to someone else's fear. Joy has a way of setting me free from bondage to step into God's freedom. Judgment has a way of highlighting every little flaw. Joy has a way of highlighting every little blessing. Judgment has a way of setting others against me. Joy has a way of opening doors for me to others. Judgment has a way of slowing me down and getting me stuck. Joy has a way of speeding me up and exposing my calling. Judgment has a way of coming true, and so does joy. Judgment has a way of hearing the enemy, curses, and death. Joy has a way of hearing God, blessings, and life. Judgment is terrified of risk because it's terrified of failure. Joy finds that risk is in weakness are where we find the strength of the Lord. I'm going to read that last one again. Judgment is terrified of risk because it's terrified of failure. Joy finds that risk and weakness are where we find the strength of the Lord. So in the world of worship, there's either judgment or joy in the room. We fight against this every Sunday because it's like, oh, like, you know, we all come in, we've got hurts, we've got pains, we're frustrated, we came from another church, we're in this church. We call A lot of people have called this, I've heard it for for years, this is that concert church. But we love concerts. But not in the church. What? <laughs> I'm going to get there. Hold on. So, in the world of worship, judgment and joy. Judgment stands against worship. Joy stands and even bows in worship. Judgment makes worship about me and the people around me. Joy makes worship about God and me. Judgment sits back and watches, takes notes, and comes to conclusions. Joy gets lost in the presence and emerges changed and free. Judgment refuses to enter in. Joy refuses to sit back. Judgment is filled with the fear of man. Joy is filled with the fear of God. Judgment holds a standard to what's known Joy explores the countless recesses of God's heart for what's unknown. Judgment walks away from a church based on the style of worship they use. 
Joy enters into any church and finds God regardless of style. I grew up in a Methodist church. I still go back. We visit our family. There's nothing wrong with the Methodist church. My mom plays the organ there. They have hymns. They have choirs that they used to have robes and the whole sash thing. I used to wear one of those. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> then I got married to Bethany and found out that was not very cool. <laughs> so now I just wear black. So, But I can go in, hear a hymn, and not turn my heart off to the Lord. If you come into a place like this and we don't sing a hymn and you turn your heart off to the Lord because you're angry with what we're doing, that's also not worship. That's judgment, not joy. So we sit back and we sit and we, we throw out words like, like uh, concert church. But that, that proves I have a disconnect with who God is in heaven, what the scripture says about it, and what worship really is. Because we've been told that when the angels sing holy, holy, holy in heaven, they all have those robes on with their sashes. There's thousands of men with, and, like, and women cut into their different like, you know, like vocal strengths. We've got your baritones and basses over here. You've got your tenors. You've got your sopranos. We've got everybody. And they just go, holy, holy, holy. Like, they just like, belt it out. And that's all they do. And that's what we think heaven is. It's just a bunch of angels in robes going, ah! you know, just like going crazy. I think that does happen. I think that the angels do stand up and sing holy, 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 but also when the elders fall down and throw their crowns before the Lord, I think all of a sudden everyone in heaven just hits the ground and just starts going, holy, 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 holy. It's not a song for five minutes and two seconds. Worship is understanding who God is and telling him who he is. We sit here and we've made it, oh, if it looks like this or if it looks like that church or it looks like this church, that's the right way to worship. Maybe we're all wrong. Maybe. Maybe we're all right. But if I'm sitting in judgment against a style of worship, thinking that that is my entitled right to speak against because I know better than they do, I'm not sitting in joy. I'm not sitting in worship. I'm sitting in judgment. So we hate the concert church. Let's just go there because we've got lights. We've got big wedges that you see when you're at a concert venue. The ground shakes. The lights go crazy. And people come in and go, ah, them too. <laughs> it's another one we're going to write off. And yet, like I said earlier, we absolutely love going to concerts. People went to the Coldplay concert a couple weeks ago, and they reported back it was life-changing. Coldplay, they are life-changing. I've been there. You get a bracelet. It turns on half, like, at the very beginning of the show. So you're like, I'm a part of the show. Chris Martin will see me tonight. Ah! And we just go mental. And they play all over the entire stadium. Lights go. There's, there's like, bubbles there's confetti, there's gym balls flying through the air. It is an entire experience. The other day, we took the kids to the aquarium. I still have the tickets in my pocket for the dolphin show. And it's not the actual dolphin show. It's like the, the digital one that you go in the 4D experience. We hate shows like that because you get sprayed with water. Something stabs you in the back when the shark attacks the dolphin. 
When something tries to go for your feet, it like blows something at your feet. And it's, an, it's a full body experience. Our kids were slightly terrified, but at the same time they were excited. I cried, I was so terrified. <laughs> Especially when the thing stabbed me in the back, I was like, it's going down! Like just, I was out. And it was one of those things I realized what we like in the American church is to sit back, have very nice and safe worship. I like to go to a movie theater where the sound is nice and the chairs are comfy, and I don't want to be a part of it. I just want to see it and, and, and watch it. That's not worship. And yet, if we go to a concert of our favorite artist, we will lose our minds. We will sing to where we lose our voices and we go to work the next day or the next week and, oh, it was such a great concert. It was awesome. We also paid more money for that ticket, for the travel, for the hotel to stay over, and all the food that we decided that we were entitled to on that trip. We pay more for that than we give to the church on a monthly, maybe yearly basis. And we sit here and say, we won't have that concert church in here. This is a place of God. And yet we feel like we're experiencing God when we go see that show. We talk about it. It impacts us for months. Oh, my gosh. I remember when I saw U2, greatest show of my life. Then I saw Coldplay. Now it's the new greatest show of my life. And I, I can still talk about every, my cousin and I went. I can tell you every detail of that concert. I can also tell you every detail of worship this morning. And we sit here and we say, oh, well, this doesn't reflect heaven. So heaven is a docile, quiet place where God, this old man with glasses on, is reading the newspaper and we can't make a sound because we don't want to interrupt him from his time. That's not church. That's not worship. That's the brokenness of what you grew up in taking place of who God is. So there's an assault on the church. There's an assault on worship. There's an assault on fellowship. I believe that people like Chris Martin and Katy Perry and all these people are anointed to lead people in song. It has gotten hijacked for something else. I get it. But there are people who are anointed who aren't doing right things. The Bible is full of them. So we need to stop sitting in judgment as much as we possibly can and start to sit in the joy of what is happening right here, right now, for me, for God, for the people. Everybody take a deep breath. All right, we're about to jump in real fast. I was going to read all these scriptures. We don't have time for it. I'll give you the reference. Write it down. Go find it. Let's look at what God in heaven looks like. Exodus 19, 18 through 19 but the Old Testament has been fulfilled, and we don't worry about it. Yes, we do keep reading the Old Testament. <laughs> God visits Sinai. If you read Exodus 19, 18 through 19, literally it says that Moses, Aaron, and Joshua walked up, the elders behind them, the people behind them, and they saw the feet of God descend onto Mount Sinai with something like a sea of glass beneath it. That's weird. Because if you go to Isaiah, if you go to Ezekiel, if you go to Revelation, there's a sea of sapphire beneath the feet of God. Heaven invaded earth. That's just the first witness we have of it other than the Garden of Eden. I do believe that the Garden of Eden in its fullness probably shimmered like precious stones everywhere. And now, because we're on this side of the garden, 
it's a little more mute than what it's really supposed to look like. Isaiah 6, 1 through 7, there's the vision of God. He's a man on fire from his loins up is a fire, and I forget, I think it's a Sardis stone, looks like a Sardis stone. From his loins down, it looks like molten glass, molten gold is what he looks like. So, we've got the feet of God are on top of something that is shimmery and blue, like that thing right there. And then we have this fire that is literally illuminating all of heaven, much like these white lights that are showing right here. Ezekiel 1, through 28. This is the division of divine glory. Here, I'm actually going to read this one. I'm not going to read. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll read 22. Now, over the heads of the living beings were something like an expanse, like the awesome gleam of crystal spread out over their heads. Where the feet of God are. Under the expanse of their wings stretched out. Uh, were stretched out straight, one toward the other. Each one had their two wings covering its body on one side and on the other. I also heard the sound of their wings, and it keeps going. Now above the expanse, over their heads, there was something resembling a throne, like lapis lazuli in appearance. And on that, and on that which resembled a throne high up was a figure which, the, which was the appearance of a man. Then I noticed from his appearance and his loins and upward something like glowing metal that looked like fire all around it. And from the appearance of his loins and downward, I saw something like fire, and there was radiance around him. God is a light. He is a fire. He is a power. He is something that emanates energy. Everyone who sits around a fire, it glows, it burns, it is hot. You cannot react to a like You can't sit by and just not react to a fire. We always want to burn something. We want to cook something. We want to add more to it to make it bigger and just go, oh. That's who God is. Revelation 4, the scene in heaven, literally the same exact thing again. I see a man. He's on the throne. There's literally a green rainbow fully connected over his head. There's fire coming from him. There's thunder coming from him. There's lightning coming from the throne. This is who God is in heaven. In Exodus, it actually says, I think actually, sorry, in Exodus 19, 18 through 19, that is when it says that God replies to Moses with thunder. Chapter 24, Exodus 24 is where it says that they see the sea of sapphire rest on, on Sinai. Sorry, I said that wrong. Exodus 28, 13 through 29 exp explains the breastplate of the priest and what it's supposed to look like. It's supposed to be this big golden thing with 12 jewels for the 12 tribes of Israel. Why is that significant? Go to Ezekiel 28. We're going to read this one. Ezekiel 28, 1 through 11 is of the king of Tyre. Then God says, proclaim something over the king of Tyre. This is what it says. Starting in verse 11. And again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Was the king of Tyre in Eden? Yes or no? No, thank you. That's not even a really hard guess. Who was in the garden of Eden besides God and Adam and Eve? Say it loud. Come on, class. Thank you. 
Satan was there. Every precious stone was your covering, the ruby, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the lapis lazuli, the turquoise, and the emerald, the gold, the workmanship of your settings and sockets, your settings being drums, your sockets being pipes, was in you on the day you were created. They were prepared. You were the anointed cherub who covers. Again, the king of Tyre is not the anointed cherub who covers. Lucifer's job before he fell was the worshiping cherub. Why did he fall? Because he was the most beautiful, sounding, looking creature in all of heaven. And one day, instead of looking at God and worshiping him, he's flying over the sea of glass and looks at himself and goes, whew, I'm really good looking. I'm actually more good looking than God. He's only got like fire going on. I have all of this. When we take our eyes off of God and start to worship ourselves, we place ourselves above him. That is not our role. And that is not what worship is about. Worship is about praising him. Why do we read that? Because when God, who is a fire, emanating pressure and light, when he would pass over Lucifer, the light would go through all of those gems and shine like these lights shine. So there's a light show in heaven every time. And then because of the pressure of who God is and thunder is erupting from him, when that hits the drums that are Lucifer, it makes a sound like those bad boys do, and then it passes through. Actually, this is the perfect day for this message because we had a saxophone on stage. Can we all say thank you, Jesus, for the saxophone? And for Phil Payne. Please give him a hug. He hates hugs, so tell him I sent you. But when God would breathe his breath... That would pass through the socket or through the, the pipes that were in Lucifer and music would be made. So God creates worship that comes back to himself. Lucifer falls. We are created. We have color. We have a drum. We have pipes. He breathes into us and we give back and worship. You don't think you're worthy to praise God? Your very heartbeat makes you worthy to praise God. It is your worship instrument. If all you have is this, you're worshiping. Because he made that, and he knows the exact tempo it, it beats at and it rests at. When his light shines through you, you can see the world for what it really is. So why are we saying all this? I've got tons of other scriptures that we can go into. You can go into 2 Chronicles 3.6. That just talks about how Solomon adorned his entire tabernacle with precious stones so that everywhere that light would hit, color would hit, and there would be an experience of color and sound that would attach itself to worship. The foundation stones of the New Jerusalem, Revelation 21, 14 through 21, it's the same exact stones that are in the breastplate. So then... You get to, what does it look like on earth? Like when heaven comes to earth, we had Exodus 24. That's when the feet of God really literally descend on Sinai. Then Jesus throws a curveball and says, those who worship him shall worship in spirit and in truth. It's not about that mountain. It's not about this mountain, John 4:24. I don't need a band to worship God. I am a band. I've got a drum. I've got pipes. I've got hands that clap. However, when we have a band, it's not any less spiritual than the church down the street who has a pipe organ. It's not any less spiritual that we would worship God with sound and light. It's actually the very way that he is praised in heaven. 
And the funny thing is, I already said it, he is the thing that puts the pressure and the light out to which it gets responded back to him. So there's this, oh, well, concert church is demonic. (laughs) You know what's demonic? Judgment. If you can't find joy in any church, it's not the church's fault. That rests in me. Mary, you can laugh as much as you want. Get it, girl. (laughs) Worship in heaven looks a lot more like what happens in a church like Providence. I'm not saying that we are more favored, more godly, more anything. I'm only saying that when we get to heaven, it's going to look a whole lot more like this, like a Coldplay concert, like U2. It's going to look like an elaborate light show with thunder subwoofers. That shake the, it's too loud. The decibels are too loud. You're going to go deaf in heaven. Are you kidding me? We sit here and pretend that there's like this, like, this like docile little like, holy, holy, holy. That's awesome for that moment. But the second that we realize how great he is, holy, holy, like we just want to go for it. Why wouldn't we? We're in the presence of God in heaven. Yet when we get into the presence of God in church, Because it makes my flesh feel tingly and weird, I'll run from it and get super judgmental and sit back and not enter in because these people are nuts. (laughs) However, at that Coldplay concert, once my bracelet lit up and once my cousin's bracelet lit up and once the person next to us and all around us lit up, we all were okay to enter in together. Yet we get to the church and we walk in with our judgments against the church we left, the church we're in, the church we want to go to after we leave here, that if we leave here with judgment, we're going to go into there with judgment, and we're probably going to end up leaving there just as quickly as we left here. Worship is a heart posture. I get it. I don't need instruments because I am one. I don't need lights because I am one. I don't need drums because I am one. However, when Rusty especially gets on the drums, he lights it up. And I actually told him this earlier. I wasn't going to say this, but I told him this earlier. I whispered it in his ear before he started today. I said, you add value to the drums, not the other way around. So here's the deal. Every single person here, everybody at home, you bring value to worship, not the other way around. Now, does God bring value to you? Yes, that's not, I did not say that he doesn't bring value to you. He's the only place we get our value. But I have something to bring to worship, and if I would rather sit in judgment rather than enjoy, I am robbing myself from entering into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Because I'm sick and tired of a church that would rather enter into his courts with judgment and into his courts with, like, with, with ch- like chastisement of the body of Christ. He's already been beaten for that. He's already been broken for that. He's already died for that. And yet we sit here and we carry it and we hold on to it and we say, "Uh uh-uh, that worship's not right, so I won't join in. Uh, He's worthy no matter what it looks like. So I know it's 1147. I went way over. But we have to know that when we enter into worship, we're entering into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. There is nothing else I need to do to do that. 
I'm already qualified to do that because I already have my own drum. I already have my own pipes. I already have my own light. I have my own heart. I have my own passions and excitements. God doesn't need you to jump through his hoop. He's already done that. Enter into his gates. His gates are huge. His courts are ginormous. And yet we come in with our judgments and we say, no, 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 no. They didn't play that song right. Wrong tempo. He didn't sing it right. He didn't come in on the one. He came on to the two. No, like, we, like, we dissect this thing. And it's so funny because David's been preaching this thing the whole morning. When we get into his presence, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Bethany started singing Bare Necessities from the Jungle Book. Praise God. We should be so childlike that when we get together, we're just worshiping. My kids have literally gotten into this. My son picks up the ukulele and now he's the band director. Lulu, you're playing drums. Daddy, you're playing guitar. I'm playing guitar and singing. Mommy, you're playing piano. Let's play. Whoa! And you just like, it's like a tribal like expression of praise. It doesn't matter what it looks like and we join in every time. And it draws my heart to want to worship with him. But when Lulu gets mad at Zion because he has the ukulele and she runs off, we're no longer in worship. We're no longer in connection. We're in power plays and judgment. So we walk away from churches because X, Y, and Z and all the crap that we walk away from churches for. There's a whole movement of deconstructing happening right now that breaks my heart because what they're looking for is authenticity and, and yet deconstructing is the most inauthentic thing ever because we're literally pulling the foundation away from ourselves and thinking that our house will still stand. It breaks my heart. And yet the church, we would rather judge that than minister to it. They can sit in judgment all day. Will we sit in joy? The easiest way to get into joy is to enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, with joy, and then let that be an overflow that enters into the rest of your life. So we're going to go for it. If you need to go grab your kids to get them from kids ministry and bring them back in here, please do. Let's be respectful of our kids ministry. But at the same time, grab those workers, and once they're done, bring them in here. And let's just go after Jesus for a minute. Let's actually give him everything. We say that, but then we hold back. If you're holding back, great. Give them what you're holding back or just give them yourself. And as you step into it, you actually get to step into what worship really looks like in heaven. Accept the lights, accept the sound, accept the fact that like, your hair is gonna move every time the bass, the bass drum hits. It's gonna happen. Just know that heaven's worship is the most radical thing you've ever heard of. And all we want to do is join that. You don't have to have this to join it, but it's a whole lot more fun when we do. And I'm not just doing this so I can defend why providence does what we do. This is literally biblical. So Jesus, right now, from the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet, let us be your instruments, your light, your drums, so that we can give you glory because you've already given it to us. Your breath in our lungs allows us to breathe back praise to you. When you flicked our hearts into motion, the beat that comes after that is in response to you. We are already worshiping. So we break, we break the lie that concert churches are less than. 
We also break the lie that traditional churches are less than. We break the lie that the churches who don't even sing are less than. God, we pray for them because worship is a big part of who you are. But God, we bless those churches too. Because they're trying to honor you. And when people try to honor you, I will be joy-filled with that. I might be speaking in tongues and casting some things out of that building when I get in there, but we're going for it. So Jesus, right now, heal what's in our hearts where we have been told that this was a bad thing, so we won't enter into it. We break that right now in your name, and we say, God, if you're in it, we want it, we're gonna be a part of it, and we're going to joyfully enter into your gates with thanksgiving and to enter into your courts with praise. We love you, Lord. We bless you. Help us to be better worshipers of you by being better lovers. Fill us with joy. Amen. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.